your Bibles, if you will. We're going to be in the book of Micah. Micah, uh, Micah chapter 6. Micah chapter 6. If you start in Matthew and go seven books to the left, you should you will be there. So, Micah chapter 6, we're going to be in verse uh, verses 6 through 8. Micah chapter 6, verses 6 through 8. And we'll read these responsibly. We'll read read these responsibly. Um, we'll read, you'll read the the even verses. I'll read the one odd verse. Um, Matthew chapter six, verses six through eight. Matthew or Micah chapter six, six through eight. We're getting this. This is okay. He's having that half wits disease. I mean, half timers disease. Yes, sir. <laughs> Micah chapter six, verses six through eight. And let's read six and eight together. I'll read verse seven. You ready? Begin, wherewith shall I come before the Lord, and bow myself before the high God? Shall I come before Him with burnt offerings, with calves of a year old? Will the Lord be pleased with thousands of rams, or with ten thousands of rivers of oil? Shall I give my firstborn for my transgression, the fruit of my body for the sin of my soul? He hath showed thee, O man, what is good, and what doth the Lord require of thee, but to do justly, and to love mercy, and to walk humbly with thy God. Let's pray. God, we do thank you so much, Lord. You don't make the Christian life difficult. You don't make it, uh, Lord, impossible for us to follow. But, Lord, you have some rules that you want us to follow, you want us to live by. And, uh, Lord, we are made better because of them. And, uh, Lord, just help us, Lord, as we study your word tonight. Uh, Lord, would you give us that grace, help us to uh, to un- have understanding, to see our ways. And, Lord, help us to be more and more like you as we grow. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. You may be seated. Keep your Bible open. We're going to come back to it in just a second. Let me give you... A little bit of introduction to the to the sermon tonight. We sinful humans get very creative on how we word being God of our own life. We really do. Uh, religion, most religion, is filled with us telling God how God has to accept what we are. I'm going to make a statement. Religion is a tool in the hand of Satan. It is trying to portray God man's way. And that is a tool of Satan. Man has even put hundreds of versions of God's words out that are not God's words. We've decided we don't want what God said. We'll rewrite it to make it what we want it to say. That's what the other perversions of the Bible are, just so you know. I like what Billy Sunday said over a hundred years ago. He said, I respect the devil more than I do most preachers because the devil believes in the power of the word of God. Preach on, Brother Billy. Uh, We don't need theologians to study and find out what God didn't say. We just need people who are willing to live what God did say. Quit worrying about what you think some smart person thinks God said. How about we just obey what God did say? You see, I believe God, who is perfect, sinless, holy, and the creator of life and this universe, probably had no problems articulating exactly what he wanted us to know. If God could do all of this, don't you think he could put words down that we understand? 
Well, I just don't understand the Bible. It's so hard. All these these and thous. Thee means you. Thou means you. Ye means you. Got it? Real hard to understand, isn't it? Did you know the Bible was written at a fourth grade reading level? It's really not that hard. You see, you just have to accept these are not God's thoughts put into man's minds and man wrote what they think God said. Do you think God would actually trust sinners to put a thought into their head and say, now you put it in your words? You see, your smart theologians say, well, these are the Pauline epistles because they're written with Paul's personality. And this book was written by Peter because it has Peter's. And that's why you have the four Gospels because uh, Matthew wrote a certain way and Mark wrote. No, 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 no. They all go together. Amen. And Matthew didn't write. Mark didn't write. Luke didn't write. Peter didn't write. Nor did Paul. Thus saith the Lord. These are God's words, not man's words. God's not going to put his perfect word through our perverted, sinless brain and give us a perfect word of God. He had to give it to us word by word. Matthew 4, 4. Man cannot live by bread alone, but by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God. That means God spoke every one of these words. If we don't have an every word Bible, let's shut the church down and we're all going to go to hell. Everybody doing okay? That's biblical. There has to be an every word Bible somewhere or God's a liar. And if God's a liar, there's no hope for any of us. Now, that wasn't even the sermon yet. I was just getting warmed up, amen? The Bible is not some history book to be studied through certain time periods. I'm about to throw a fit. These sissy British preachers in their... Uh, doctrinal statement saying well we take a historical approach to the scriptures that sounds like Dr. Fatbottom has got got problems my Bible says that the word of God transcends all generations the word of God transcends all people groups all races all colors all uh, people everywhere from everywhere from all ages we are not to read the Bible based on what it was in Bible days. First of all, these yard birds weren't alive then to know what it was anyway. Amen. They're the people telling you that everybody that Jesus had long hair. Do me a favor. Go back in history to the 100 BCs to 100 ADs and look at all of the art from that day. Of leaders. You won't find one of them with long hair. They all had haircuts like mine. It wasn't until the Catholics brought on the Twinkie Jesus. One with long hair wiggled when he walked. By the way, they didn't all wear long robes and dresses. You see... We need to take the word of God from the word of God's point of view, not history. Amen. By the way, we'd have better history if we would read the history of the word of God. We wouldn't make as many mistakes as we're making today. We wouldn't put people like Biden and Pelosi and Schumer and some of these yard birds in. I go to the county level too, but I'm not going to. <laughs> don't, trust, don't tempt me. 
I will tell you this, the Bible is true as Jesus is. In the beginning was the Word, the Word was with God, and the Word was God. The same was in the beginning with God. In verse 14 in John chapter 1 says, And the Word was made flesh, and dwelt among us, and we beheld His glory, the glory of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. And may I say something, if the Word of God is not true, then Jesus Christ is not either. Now, all that to say this. God never makes truth difficult. Okay, you ready, class? Two plus two equals what? Say it real loud. Four. Was that real hard? Now, three plus one equals what? Four. Ah, four plus zero equals what? Four. So is that a truth? Yes or no? All right. Is that real hard? No, it's not. You can teach a four or five-year-old that. Truth is not difficult. God made truth so that we sinful humans could live it. He didn't make it to where he was the only one that could live it. That's what sinners do. Let me be better than you so that you can't do what I can do. Jesus said, greater works than these shall you also do. Jesus said, you'll have bigger results than I do. (laughs) I happen to work for a preacher that believed that. You know, we had five days that were bigger than Pentecost. We had five Sundays. We had two Sundays where we baptized over 5,000 people. 68,000 people on the property of the church. That's like putting all of Berkeley County in one church. Imagine that in one church. One day. A preacher got up and said, well, Jesus said greater works than these shall you also do. Don't you believe him? We happen to believe him. And look what God did. One day, 5,590-some people got baptized. I think there was over 12,000, 13,000 people saved in that one one day. I worked the invitation one day. We had a 7,000-seat auditorium. And nine to ten rows back, all the way across the entire front part of that platform, and there was one, two, three, four, there was eight sections of, of pews. Okay, uh, eight, nine, ten rows back, we had converts sitting there going back to get baptized. That was just in the main service. That wasn't all the other services. Man, I remember, <laughs> look, Mrs. Lopez is nodding her head back there, so is Joe. They know what I'm talking about. There was a guy about where Linda's sitting. I was clear over here at another section, and he said, I need one of you men. One of my assistant pastors, hurry up, right back here. Well, shoot. When the preacher's yelling at me like that, he said, hurry up, hurry up, hurry up. Okay, so what did I do? Boop, 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 boop. I jumped over three rows of chairs and hopped back there and jumped down. He said, Brother Bush, I didn't tell you to walk on the furniture. I said, I hurried, sir. He said, yes, sir, you did. <laughs> I wasn't going to get in trouble, amen. I get in trouble for walking on the furniture, but I ain't going to get in trouble for being too slow. You can get me in trouble for being too fast, but not too slow, amen. God did not make truth difficult. Man makes it hard 
trying to do it his own way. Trying to be his own God. You see, God never makes truth hard. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. He that believeth not is, con- is condemned or is in-, in damnation. But he that believeth hath eternal life. So how do we get saved? Join the church? No, belief. How do we get saved? Get baptized? No, belief. How do we get saved? Do we have to <clears throat> live a certain lifestyle? No, just belief. The truth of salvation is so simple. Now, if that be the case, I want you to look at Micah chapter 6 again and look at verse number 8 with me. He, who's he? The Lord. Has showed the old man what is good. And what doth the Lord require? Now look at me. God's about to tell us here what he requires. Not what's extra credit. The requirements. I had a college professor. I don't agree with how... He did his testing and scoring and uh, all that kind of stuff. He was one of those teachers that taught me how not to do something. But uh, he would give you thousands of pages of outside reading and reports to get done. And then his, his idea of uh, teaching was, I'm going to just go at it as fast as I can. I'll, I'll test to where nobody can get an A. But as long as you do all the outside reading, if you get 70% of my material, that's more than 100% of somebody else, and that's all I care about. I disagree with that style of teaching, just so you know. I had a roommate. He didn't work as many hours as I did, didn't have to, and uh, he was. we were in the same class together. I did all of my outside reading and all of my outside reports. I passed every test that semester. I didn't get A's on him. He got A's on every test, but he lacked one of the requirements for the class. I got an A in the class, and he got a B. He said, that's not fair. I said, you don't understand that teacher. The requirements of the class were more important than the tests. I said, if you listen the first day, he said, as long as you do all the requirements, you'll pass my class with an A. I said, so I did all the requirements, didn't worry about the tests. Everybody doing all right? God says, what doth the Lord require? This is the requirements. I want you to look at it with me. What doth the Lord require of thee? But to do justly and to love mercy and to walk humbly with thy God. God said, I require three things of my people. If you want to obey God and you want to be what God wants you to be, here's God's three requirements for life. Number one, he wants you to do justly. Now that word justly means this. It literally means a verdict pronounced judicially after hearing all sides of a case. It means 
only judging or ruling in your area of authority. It, is, it, it coincides with the word justice. But justice requires, and it's a judicial word, that means somebody is being accused and formally tried in a court. And you have the prosecution and the defense presenting both sides And once all the information comes out, a ruling is made, that is justice. God says, before you make judgments, listen to all the facts. Everybody doing okay? But justice also means, uh, okay, justice is this. If Brother Anthony drives too fast and goes 100 miles an hour down Charlestown Road... And wrecks his car and crashes into somebody else because he works for me doesn't mean I get a ticket. Say why? He was driving his car. Justice says he's the one that pays the price, not me. Mr. Biden's an idiot when he says that we ought to uh, go after gun manufacturers and ammunition manufacturers when people are killed with guns. No. How about we go after the people that pulled the stupid triggers? Guns don't kill people. People kill people. You know, there's more people multiplied by four that are killed with knives every year than guns. How come we're not outlawing knives? (laughs) You want to have some fun? You know, three times as many people are killed by drunk driving than by guns. How come we don't quit selling liquor? Man, I'm having fun. Justice says, let's get all sides of the information. Let's stay in our area of rule. God wants us to get all the information. Listen to this. I'm about to have a spell. God wants us to get all sides of the information before forming an opinion. When you try a case before the Supreme Court of the United States of America, both sides are presented. And the justices weigh it, and then they write what is called an opinion. And they write from both sides. You have the winning opinion and the losing opinion. You don't form the opinion and then hear the case. You're supposed to wait for the opinion until you've heard all the facts. Just this week in the school, I'm not going to go into a lot of detail, but we had something come up and one of the students was struggling. I asked a few questions between my wife and brother Anthony and I realized part of the problem was our problem as an administration. Something had not been discussed properly Weeks and months ago, I called the parents. I said, I want to meet with you. I've not handled something right. It's my fault. It's not Brother Anthony's. It's not my wife's fault. It's my fault as the head of the school. I didn't make it clear all the way down, so there's nobody to blame but this guy. But let's meet and let's get this thing right so that you understand and we're all on the same page. You know, we had a 30-minute meeting. Everything went fine. They understood. They backed us. I backed them. And I took the blame for it. By the way, it was my fault. 
Everybody doing okay? Isn't that the way it's supposed to be done? Now, we could have formed an opinion that, well, this is the... No, there was more to it than just that. We had to listen to all the facts, weigh the evidence, and go forward. (laughs) I'm going to make a statement here. Some of y'all aren't going to like this. We form opinions way too fast. Social media allows people to express their opinions before they know anything. (laughs) But God also doesn't want you crossing into somebody else's area of rule. Uh, Let's see here. Uh, Brother Scott owns a, uh, works with HVAC. I know a little about HVAC. 1-800-SCOTT-GARNER. <sighs> Amen. Now, wait a minute. There's times some of our businessmen, Brother Scott has come to me from time to time, uh, and others. Preacher, could you help me with my business a little bit? Most of the time, it's the organization of and different things like that. They're not going to ask me questions about wiring and duct work and volumes of air and this. Good night. That's their area of expertise, not mine. You think I'm going to tell Brother Scott he's running his business wrong? No. I don't think about his business. He does. Now, if he brings it to me and says, can we work on this part of it together? I'll think about it, hand it back to him, and give him what I believe he should do, and we go on. And I don't think about it again. I don't go to Brother Scott and say, Brother Scott, how's it going since the last time we met? Say, why? (laughs) That's his problem, not mine. If he needs my help again, he'll let me know. I don't think about it. I don't form an opinion about it. Everybody doing okay? Hang on here. We're fixing to go somewhere. You know, (laughs) I reared my kids. (laughs) You senior citizens, look at me for a second. This is where we're guilty. I'm not there yet, but I'm getting closer. I'm a grandparent. We look at everybody. Well, if that were my kid, this is what I... Wait a minute. It's not your kid. Don't, don't form an opinion. Some of you live frustrated over how everybody else does something you don't do, wouldn't have done. Well, then don't think about it. Don't form an opinion. Everybody doing all right? Man, I'm having fun. I feel like I'm on an island all by myself. Some of you are so upset how everybody else at work doesn't do their job that you're not doing yours right either. Ouch. Isn't it amazing you know what the boss should do? You know one part of the work. That doesn't mean you know the whole thing. There's things about the work that Brother Anthony knows here at the church in the school better than I do. There's things Mrs. Barnes knows, like the computer, better than I do. (laughs) It didn't take much. Some of you six-year-olds know more about it than I do. There's things in the classroom that my wife knows more about than I do. I get paid, and I got called by God to run the whole thing. Nobody knows the whole thing like I do. Does that make sense to everybody? I may not know each and every individual component like somebody else, but I know the whole work better than anybody. I don't form an opinion about how he runs choir practice or special music. I answer the questions. I make sure things are going right. But how he runs it, he's the leader. I let him be the leader. Say, is it the way you would do it? That doesn't matter. I'm not doing it. 
And I'm not going to tell you how I would do it because I don't have an opinion about it because it's not mine to form an opinion about. Amen. Opinions are like noses. Everybody's got, got one and you pick your own. Say, preacher, yeah, that's true. <laughs> the news media is the opposite of just. You read any news article you want, they've, well, we've arrested this person and they're guilty of this and they've done this and they've done this and they've done this and that. Wait a minute. How many of them have gone free and they never print anything about that? But the moment they're accused of wrong, they're wrong, they're, they're bad, they're going to jail. Look how many times President Trump was going to go to jail. He's been vindicated virtually every time. Everybody doing Okay. <laughs> accusation does not mean guilt liberalism is the opposite of justice hang on God says if you don't work you don't eat liberals say take from those that have and give to those that have not that means nobody has I'm having fun here God says we're to do justly in every situation of life. It is a requirement of God. I have an opinion what vehicle I bought. I bought the one I wanted. That doesn't mean if you buy a different one that you have a bad opinion. It just shows we have different opinions. Everybody doing okay? Well, I'm right, you're wrong. Okay, I don't care who's right and wrong. You got what you wanted, I got what I wanted. I'm smiling, you're angry. Everybody doing all right? <laughs> you're upset, I'm not. I don't care what you bought. <laughs> it doesn't bother me. Man, this is good stuff. <laughs> Quit forming an opinion in everybody else's business. You want to be less frustrated? Go off Facebook. Go off, what's the birdie thing? Twitter or X or whatever. Tweets and twits and all that other kind of stuff. Quit leaving all your comments about everything. And before you buy something, reading all the comments, you don't know that those are even real comments. Well, it was on the website. Yeah, right. Everybody doing all right? Well, I read all these reviews. I'm having fun right now. I have three adult children. Do you know I have no say-so in how they run their lives? And I don't get frustrated if it's differently than the way I brought them up? Say why? I did my part. They answered to God for the rest. Not my job to tell them what to do. So, well, I think they're making a mistake. That's your problem. You thought about it. Amen. I don't think about it. I do not think about it. Say, are they doing everything you want? None of your business, first of all. Second of all, even if they weren't, it doesn't matter. Amen. It doesn't bother me. I'm going to love them either way. If they ask for my advice, I'll give it. If they don't, I'm not going to give it. Boy, that's good stuff. 
I'm going to say this very carefully. (laughs) Some of you allow the news media to wind you up too much. If you're going to read what liars print, then don't believe it. Don't get all upset that they're printing it. I read enough news and know how to read the news, and I don't get all worked up over it. I quit watching TV news years ago. It's not news. It's indoctrination. By the way, (laughs) I'm going to say it. Uh, Fox is the best of the sewer pits, but it's still a sewer pit. God wants us to apply justice to every situation. What does the Lord require but to do justly? Before you punish your kids, you better make sure you have all the facts. Before you pop off and just start screaming and hollering and doing everything, maybe you ought to get the facts. Well, this one said this. Okay, you might want to investigate because they came from you. They might not tell the whole truth. Now we just went to meddling real fast, didn't we? You see, too many times we believe one, and if we'd stop and get all the facts, maybe we'd find something different. Number two, but to love mercy. God says to do justly and to love mercy. Please listen to this. If you don't get this, your whole life will be a miserable, wretched problem mercy listen to this oh my soul please mercy is not the absence of punishment the absence of punishment when wrong was done is lack of justice and you cannot have justice or mercy without justice We have perverted the word mercy. Oh, I'll plead mercy before the court and maybe I won't get a sentence. That's not what the word mercy means. The word mercy literally is kindness or love in the application of reproof or correction. It is how correction is applied, not the absence of correction. The absence of correction, the absence of reproof in wrongdoing is unjust. Hang on. You cannot be merciful unless you're just. Mercy always follows justice. Anytime you see the words justice and mercy, it's in that order. If you know anything about the Greek or Hebrew language, the order in which things come is as important as the words used. And mercy always follows justice. It does not precede it. Everybody doing okay? Now I'm going to meddle. You do that one more time, and you're going to get in trouble. No, you just became unjust. 
when we deal with school issues and someone's to get in trouble, I never use, we never use names. Never use gender. Unless it happened in a certain one of the bathrooms. Uh, usually it's the boys' bathroom. The bathroom is a boys' playground. Anyway, uh, but uh, you say, why? Because it doesn't matter what the last name is. It's the issue at hand, not the person involved. And he'll tell you, my standard answer is, what does the handbook say? This, then do that. Sometimes there's different levels in there for the same infraction. My statement will be, is this the first time? Yes. Okay. Do the lower. If it's not the first time, hammer it. They didn't learn the first time. Mercy was giving a lesser sentence, but that was still within the confines of the law or rule for punishment. Everybody understand that? Okay, now hang on here. You're not merciful nor just if when your child gets in trouble at school or they get in trouble in Sunday school or junior church and you say, well, that person just doesn't know what they're doing. You just destroyed your own leadership. You just shot yourself in the foot. (laughs) Anytime my kids got in trouble, I backed it 100%. Say why? Because if they didn't do it then, they did it before and didn't get caught for it, so it might as well catch up. And if they didn't do it before and they didn't do it then, they were about to and they're going to do it sometime. Uh, you say why? Because they're from me. Now, my wife was Miss Perfect. I'm not. You see, when we don't back the teacher, by the way, uh, one of my children had troubles, uh, two of my kids did with different teachers at different times. Neither one of those children knew I went to their teacher after a long period of time. And that's after having gone through the administrative levels and the administration telling me to go to them. (laughs) When we moved to Indiana, I had been Josh's principal. First week of school, he was in the principal's office. (laughs) He's sitting on the edge of the seat just kicking his feet back and he's just... And the principal says, young man, do you know where you're at? And he said, yes, sir, I'm in the principal's office. He said, does that not bother you? He said, no, sir, my daddy was my principal, and I've been in his office lots of times. <laughs> After he got paddled, the, the principal called me, told me this story. I said, Doc, I said, what'd you tell him? He said, well, I had to put my face back together because I was kind of laughing. He said, I stood up, I pounded my fist on the desk and said, but I'm not your daddy. I said, and what did he say? And he said, oh. (laughs) And he had a board of education meeting that was applied to the seat of knowledge. And he got another one when he got home. You say, why? (laughs) Strike hard while the iron is hot. By the way, he didn't enjoy going back to the principal's office. Many, he did go there many times, but he didn't enjoy it. You see, mercy says I love you enough to make you keep the rules and to correct you. When you don't correct them, you're not showing mercy, you're showing hate. God says if you love your child, you'll drive sin far from them. Not let them continue in it. Everybody doing okay? Grandparents don't let your grandkids get away with wrong. 
I remember the first time my dad whacked one of my kids' hands. You'd have thought World War III happened. Grandpa smacked me. Good, come over here. What? Pow, I did it too. Preacher, you did? Yes, I did. I walked over to my dad, shook his hand, said thank you. He said, well, I didn't let you get away with it. I'm not going to let them do it. I said, good for you. Say, I don't believe it. Uh, you know my dad. Trust me, you can believe it. But by the way, I'm thankful for that. I'm thankful for that. We were all on the same page. I remember one day, dad had something in the yard, and my son was trying to use it as a golf tee. He just a little shaver. My dad said, don't you touch that. Dad went to work, came back the next day, and that thing was sh- and smattered the smithereens, thousands of pieces. He called him out there and said, do you do that? Oh, no. Well, I know your daddy didn't do it. He said, just get out of here. I don't even want to talk to you. But he said, I don't want to talk to you. Go, go ahead. I don't want to talk to him. My dad wouldn't talk to him for about three hours. Broke his heart. I mean, broke his heart. But he came to his grandpa and said, Grandpa, I was wrong. I lied. They got things right. You know, neither one of them had forgotten that. Can I tell you why? He didn't want to do it, but he did it for his sake. Didn't let him just get away with it. Oh, that's okay. It only cost me a couple bucks. No, you did wrong. He applied mercy. Mercy is saying, I love you enough to make you do what you're supposed to do. Number three. I want you to notice the wording here. To walk humbly. With thy God. Please listen to about the next two or three minutes. We'll be out early tonight. To walk humbly with God. Being spiritual is not a badge of honor. It is a cross you hang on. Being spiritual is not something you look at me. No, that's full of sinful pride. When people have to prove to you how spiritual they are, they're not. (laughs) I was talking to some idiot the other day. I've read the Bible. I know that book. They haven't been in church a day in their life. I've read it. I said, good. What's it say in the book of Hezekiah? Oh, I read that. I I, I disagree with it. I said, so do I, because there is no book of Hezekiah. bunch of yard birds don't have enough sense to blow their own nose. Spirituality is not something that you puff your chest out and say, look at me. It is a cross you hang on humbly. Humility means realizing who is above you and staying in your position. <laughs> Please don't take this the wrong way. You know, God doesn't make me come to work every day. I do it because I know who my boss is. Yeah. I'm not going there. I'm not going there. You, 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 you're trying to get me out of humility here. You know, quit trying to play God. People that walk around, well, you, you have to be pious and you have to prove your spirituality. 
These are the yard birds that make a four-syllable let four-syllable word out of Jesus. Jesus, uh -huh. <laughs> or they talk about God. Y'all know what I'm talking about. They think they sound spiritual. Sounds like they're constipated to me. Good night. Oh, I like this person on the radio. They sound so suave. Yeah, and they're using the wrong version of the Bible. What are you listening to them for? Be doing? Oh, man, I don't even want to go down that road. That's a whole other sermon. Listen to this statement. This will help you. Being spiritual is not telling others what to do. It's telling yourself what to do. Being spiritual is not what you can tell others God said. It's you telling yourself and obeying what God said. Just because you can tell somebody what God said doesn't mean you're living what God said. Spirituality is not what you have up here. It's what you do here, here, and in here. Plain and simple. You see, it's not a matter of bragging about who you are. Well, you ought to treat me with respect. <laughs> Respect's earned, baby. Amen. Being spiritual isn't because you can bark orders to somebody. Being spiritual is because you live what God says. Thankful I had a preacher when I was in Bible college. We were required every week to have one hour of soul winning in. We had to prove how many doors we knocked on, everything else. But I'm glad that it wasn't just the student body that did it. The staff was required three hours of soul winning a week. He said, you're not going to work on a college staff teaching preacher boys if you're not willing to do more than the preacher boys are doing. You're not worthy. He said, if the college kids are doing more than you, I'll hire them and make you go to school. I like that philosophy. Everybody doing all right? Now, you could go to any public university in the world... And most of those people can't do anything they teach. Amen. They can tell you what a book says. Yep. Or they can tell you what book to read, but they can't do it. Right. Boy, that's good stuff. Being spiritual is not being served or wanting to be served. Being spiritual is serving others. I don't want anybody to serve me. This young man right here humbles me. It's hard for me to open a door when he's around. I'm used to the one pushing the doors open and kicking them open for everybody, but he's got younger legs and gets ahead of me a little faster. Every once in a while I'll say, hold it, I'm opening that door. Back off, Jack. I, I, I respect it, and I, and I love him, and I appreciate it, and I know what he's doing. But it's, it's humbling to me. I'm not used to it being done. I'm used to doing it. I don't look to be served. I want to serve. I'm going to make a statement here and make a couple of you mad if I'm successful. Walking with God means you need to keep up with him. He's not supposed to follow you. Amen. Well, God, I'm here. Follow. No, uh, uh, uh. You go to where he is. He's not to come to where you are. We're to go to where he is. Not expect him to follow us around like the genie in the bottle. 
Let me ask you a question. He hath showed thee, O man, what is good. And what doth the Lord require of thee but to do justly, to love mercy, and to walk humbly with thy God? There's a verse in James. Therefore, to him that knoweth to do good, and doeth it not, to him it is sin. What he hath showed thee, O man, what is good. So when we're not acting justly, we're sinning. When we're not applying mercy, we're sinning. When we're not walking humbly with God, we're sinning. And we are not fulfilling the requirements God gave us. By the way, this is an extra credit. This is the required. How about we start living the required? Maybe our Christian life would go a whole lot better. Every head bowed, every eye closed, I'm done. You have to score your own test. Be honest. How you doing on those three requirements?